Hello, you're listening to a sermon provided by the First Presbyterian Church of Mayopac. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m., and you can watch us live either on Facebook or YouTube. And if you're in the area, there's always a seat saved for you. We hope that this message encourages you to continue growing in humility and faith. Thanks for listening. Scripture reading for today, which you can find in the bulletin or in your pew Bibles, uh, should be one that is somewhat familiar as it comes to us from the Old Testament, from the very first book of the Bible, uh, from Genesis chapter 2, verses 4 to 9. This uh, reading for today is what we call uh, another account of creation, another telling of creation, uh, because it differs somewhat from that first one you might have heard. <laughs> you know, the goes through the listings of the days. That's not what we find here this morning. So keep your ears open uh, for something new. So let us hear now the word of the Lord as it comes to us from our reading, Genesis chapter 2, verses 4 to 9. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In that day, the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. When no plant of the field was yet in the earth, and no herb of the field had yet sprung up, For the Lord God has not caused it to rain upon the earth. And there was no one to till the ground, but a stream would rise from the earth and water over the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into its nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Out of, the Lord, out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that it's pleasant to be sight and good for food. And the tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This Sunday, we now arrive at our uh, penultimate Sunday, you might say, the second to last Sunday in our sermon series, as you heard me say, the gospel according to Jimmy Buffett. It feels right then that our song and our scripture reading today bring us to a place of calm, a place where the whole world seems to draw a breath and everything seems still. That is what slack tide is. That enchanted moment, as Jimmy Buffett would say, where the world seems right, where you can look out on the ocean and it's still like glass. Some might call that moment zen, others might think of it as enlightenment, or some like myself might call it that moment where 
all not only feels right in the world, but you feel a close spiritual connection to our Creator. When you feel a moment like that, that is something to really treasure. The question then for us this morning is what breaks that slack tide? What breaks that moment of tranquility or calm where we feel as though all is right? What causes a glassy sea to turn into a storming ocean? Well, before we dive deep into that question, there's a couple stories I want to share with you. A couple short stories. They're not long. They're, uh, they're not a pastor's version of the story, otherwise we would be here for who knows how long. But these are a couple short stories that I want to share because they do offer insight, I think, into this larger question. Stories of how we respond to this breaking of the slack tide, that moment of tranquility. These are stories that we tell ourselves in one form or another. And they're old stories. It's nothing new. The first story is this, and it's one that comes to us from thousands of years ago from the people who lived in a little region, well, not really a small region, but a region of the world called Mesopotamia. And they had a story they told themselves about why things were the way they were, why there was war, why there was suffering, why there was this breaking of tranquility. And their story goes back to creation. It goes back to creation where the gods of their culture bore the universe as we know it out of a cosmic conflict. The gods of their time did not love us as God loves us. They didn't even really care about creation. And the world that they knew, the world that they understood, was formed from the wreckage of this cosmic war between their gods. I don't want to get too graphic, <laughs> But just to give you a hint of how catastrophic this was, they believed that the sky that was formed, they viewed it as sort of like a dome, was formed out of the fallen body of one of their gods. This is the kind of reasoning, the storytelling they use to try and understand why the world seemed broken why we couldn't all get along. Because, of course, we all can't get along if even the gods couldn't see eye to eye. And that's where our second story comes into play. A story that should sound familiar to you as you heard it from the book of Genesis. There was another people who had settled in a region like Mesopotamia, they were neighbors, actually. And these ancient people, the ancient Hebrews, told a different story. There was a God who was so powerful, all this God had to do 
was speak. And creation came into existence. The Spirit of God that hovered over the chaotic, watery void that was not a slack tide was brought to order. And all this God had to do was speak. There was no brandishing of swords, no cosmic war that took place. God simply spoke. And the next part, which is just as amazing if you lived in this ancient time, was that this God created people like you and me, not because they wanted to be amused or to enslave us, but because they actually loved us. This God actually cared for creation. I hope that these sound like two different stories to you. And I hope that one gives you a little more hope than the other. These are stories that were told many years ago. But they are still stories we tell ourselves in one form or another. We might not talk about a pantheon of Mesopotamian gods, but we may say, well, that's the way things always been. To think that we could try to end conflict with one another is a pipe dream because for as long as we can remember, there's always been bloodshed. It's a variation of the story, I think. That's though where we find the counterpoint to that story in what we hear in the gospel. In those other stories that we hear today about people who are self-sacrificing, who give their all, who live the true embodiment of God's spirit, to challenge our expectations of what is and to challenge what can be. These stories are important because sometimes we don't even know we're telling a different story to begin with. It's important to be aware of what we are telling ourselves and telling others, because if we ever want to go back to achieving or feeling a moment of slack tide where we feel at one with ourselves, with one another, and with God, we have to know what is driving this desire. So what is the story that you think we're telling ourselves then when we get to a line like the one in Buffett's song this morning where he says, I want the whole wide world to swim along? I do believe Buffett wants us all to, to swim along <laughs> side by side. I, I, that seems like his character. But do we want the whole wide world to swim along side by side? Really, do we? And this is where we have to think about what story it is we're telling ourselves. 
to help break down this question of whether we, in the, in the framework of Buffett's song, I want to break it down into three little sections for you. Think about this question of do we want the whole wide world to swim along when it th comes to the area of the church? Do we want everyone to feel welcomed here? Do, or do we want to keep some people out? I apologize if I've shared this story with you, but I remember I was visiting a church one time that was telling me all the great things they did for the people in their community. It was a tall steeple church, you could say. How much money they gave to the local food pantry, how they supported XYZ cause in their community. But you look around that church, there was not one person who looked like the people they were claiming to try and help. I'm sure you may have questions on that, but to give you a little more insight, for example, there was another Sunday I had visited them as well, and there was someone who came off the street. They had some tattered clothes. They looked like, you know, they fell on some hard times. But if you could have seen the look that people gave this individual if you were in their shoes, would you want to actually stay in a church like that? See, that's why we have to ask ourselves this question of whether we all want to swim along side by side, especially in this context of church. Because if we are going to say that we are a people of God, a people of faith, who have an open table, an open space. Well, it's something we really have to believe and act upon then. Something else, another area where this question can be raised is just the general area of our society. Do we want to really swim alongside by side with our neighbors? Again, I don't want to harp on the local paper, but if you, they do some great work. But if you've read some of the op-eds, you can see that there's people around us who don't want to swim side by side with those who they call neighbor. In the interview that Buffett gives about this song, I think he gives a really poignant point, poignant point, adding some alliteration there. He talks about, in writing this song, how people don't pause to take a breath. They don't really pause to actually think about what it is they're doing, what it means to actually live in a community with other people. I like that he says that it doesn't mean you have to agree with the answers that they are providing or you don't have to always see eye to eye. <laughs> but if we can't even have a conversation about what community and life looks like together in a way that models our understanding of love, we need to pause ourselves as well. When it comes to how we interact with our neighbors, those who we do not know, it's something we should give some serious thought to. 
Now this last point may seem a little um, not intuitive, but when we ask this question of do we want the whole wide world to swim along with us, how are we practicing that or what story are we telling ourselves when it comes to, to us, to you as an individual? I know we're taking a plural sort of plural question and, and putting it to you, but bear with me. Because maybe the story you're telling yourself is that you aren't good enough to be a part of something. Or maybe someone's telling you that story to you, trying to get you to think that you aren't good enough the way you are. Even though we know from our reading from Genesis, God saw the world and called it good. Perhaps another thing we would want to ask ourselves is what are we trying to bring along with us as we search out this elusive slack tide? Because perhaps the things that we are bringing with us aren't actually all that valuable to our journey. Perhaps are actually hindering us and keeping us from going to where we need to be. These are three areas where I think this song and these questions are areas for us to focus on and really pay attention to as people of God. Because finally, we know, as Buffett says, or because we know part of what our goal is, as Buffett says, is to find the good in everybody. He throws in that next part about sharing that, that one love bomb. It goes back to what I just said about Genesis, where we know God looked around. God took in what God had just created, including us, and saw that it was good. So friends, how are we living into that identity God has given us? That identity of being a part of God's good creation. It doesn't mean that there won't be mistakes along the way or that we won't make mistakes along the way. But what matters is what is at the heart of our work our life, our faith together as we try to understand what it means to create this community in which we all live together. The slack tide we may try to achieve in the end won't look like the one from the book of Genesis. It'll be a little different. But we shouldn't give up hope in trying to achieve and work towards this broader sense of vision of what it means to live justly and rightly and lovingly with one another. Because God gives us hope that one day it will be possible. So let us strive to find the good in everybody. Let us do our very best to be welcoming so that along our own journey of life and faith, we can invite others to swim along side by side 
with us. Let this be our goal and our vision for our life and faith together. Amen. Thanks again for listening, and we will hold you in prayer as we head into a new week. If you'd like to learn more about our church and ministry, or if you'd like to learn how you can support us, you can visit our website at mayopacchurch.org. Until next week, God bless.